passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, May 21st, 2023. And I am joined for a robust conversation. I have the good fortune to be joined by Chris Gullo down here and Jesse Collings over here. How are you both? It's geographically correct boxes today. Yep. Over here to the, this is to my east. I suppose this this is ge- geographically appropriate because Gullo lives to my south. Yep. Um, and and Jesse lives far far further away to my east. So we are co- we are oriented in the correct positions here. Maybe like to scale, you can make my box smaller and push it further away. We, we'll work on a, a custom streamyard layout that will maybe even more appropriately scale us to size. <laughs> um, so. I, I had uh, some Max logos out here, I, and I because I thought that today was the Max day, but um, no, Tuesday is the day that HBO Max is no longer HBO Max and becomes Max. And then June 9th, I understand, is when you can you can binge every episode of AEW All Access on the streaming service Max. This is not a paid advertisement, by the way; it's just information. Um, so, could you could you watch episodes of AEW Dynamite or Rampage on Max? I don't think so. Nope. Not as far as I know. Only the scripted show. Yes. Well, uh, is wrestling scripted? Is wrestling a scripted show? Is it a live entertainment show? Is it live sports? Is it? Uh, is it a drama? Yes. So, last week we talked about the upcoming new deal that we expected to be announced at the, or at least on the day of the WBD upfront. Um, that didn't happen. Nobody's reported a new deal beyond the the introduction of of a third weekly in-ring TV show for all elite wrestling called AEW Collision every Saturday night from 8 to 10 Eastern. Um, Maybe it'll involve CM Punk, probably, maybe not. Um, But no reports of a new TV deal in the speculated, rumored neighborhood of a billion dollars for five years that would come out to roughly $200 million. Um, That has not been reported. So... Let's, uh, if, by the way, if you want to submit a super chat, if you want to add a question or a comment and we will address it on the air, you can do that if you're watching live on YouTube. Um, so where should we start here? I guess we'll start with, um, just looking back on some of the reports that happened, uh, in the days leading up to the WBD Warner Brothers Discovery upfront. Um, Chris Gull, do you want to, uh, narrate this for us? Yes. Uh, so uh, on Wednesday, May 10th, we had a report from the Figure Four Weekly where it said a new TV rights deal uh, between AEW and Warner Brothers Discovery will be announced as part of the latter upfront on Wednesday in New York City. This news comes from our Dave Meltzer. 
Melter said both the deal and the much discussed AEW collision show will be announced at the Wednesday, May 17th event at the theater at Madison Square Garden. Okay. And then and so that's this is a week this is a week out. This is the Wednesday before the Wednesday that is the WBD upfront. Um uh, what else is being reported? Well, Fightful Select then uh, on that same day on Wednesday, May 10th goes, the last we heard, AEW content is set to be exclusively hosted on WBD platforms with Ring of Honor seemingly not being part of that. However, we have not necessarily heard that an entirely new deal has been reached for AEW programming as of yet. Those that have that we've spoken to say that Collision on WBD in primetime is part of a new cash infusion for AEW and an extension of their partnership the two sides have held. WBD sources have long spoken glowingly about the relationship with All Elite Wrestling, and the deal was planned for an announcement around the time of the Warner upfronts. There was a lot of discussion and rumors, both online within WBD and AEW, about this deal being a billion-dollar deal over a few years, and that could be true if all their deals were extrapolated. However, WBD sources have indicated to us that Collision was that planned upcoming announcement as opposed to an all-encompassing all deal that included Dynamite, AEW, and WBD sources have not confirmed a dollar figure. Okay. So this is a week out, and uh, so Dave Meltzer is reporting that there's – let me get this right – that there's going to be both the deal and the much-discussed much AEW collision show um, and Fightful reporting that they've heard of – you know the, have not necessarily heard that an entirely new deal has been reached for AW programming yet, but a cash infusion related to collision. Um, and then PW Insider on Monday, two days before the WBD upfront says yeah. what? Yeah, they say this week could prove to be one of the biggest in AEW history as Warner Brothers Discovery is expected to unveil the new AEW collision series this Wednesday as part of the upfront presentation in New York City and perhaps even a larger scale media rights agreement between the two sides. Perhaps. Okay. So this now that brings us to Wednesday and um, people are, de- I, I'm, I'm getting ready to watch the upfront. People are, people are asking me even the night before, is there a way to watch? I got emails, DMs, tweets say, is there a way to watch this live? And I said, I don't think so. I don't think there's a way to watch it live beyond being there in person. I, I learned though later, not the case. You can stream it live. So someone who had media access, who's there in person gave me their their link and i've watched this live still g- getting dms including one from chris gullo yeah. thirsty thirsty dms it's, where can i watch it give me the link please um but i did i was able to watch it um and there's you know there's not that much AEW. there's like a you know a, a big banner among a lot of others that includes jade cargill at one point there's a couple of you know motion clips and, and big montages and stuff but then finally they do get to this announcement um, but I guess let's uh, read a couple more things before before this this actually takes place around 11 a.m. At around 8 a.m., there's another report from PW Insider. Yep, from that report, uh, there has been speculation that a larger media rights deal between the two parties will also be revealed today, although there's been no official confirmation on that. No AEW or WBD sources, even off the record, would commit to that announcement being a li- likelihood scenario today. Okay, and then Fightful about it also in the morning before the upfront. Uh, yeah, so Fightful reports, AEW Collision is set to be announced uh, imminently, uh, likely in conjunction with the WBD upfronts. We haven't heard that Dynamite has also been extended, but we did note recently that Collision will see a big cash infusion for AEW, but that isn't all that's changing. Okay, so, and then Kathleen Finch gets on the stage among her presentation of, of the general entertainment programs for WBD. She, uh, 
reveals the announcement that we've all really been waiting for, which is the return of the Joe Schmo show being resurrected from the Viacom, Viacom days and will be a TBS show. The Joe Schmo show is coming back. Um, and then she does announce that AEW Collision is coming every Saturday uh, in addition to Dynamite and Rampage, you know, still being there. Um, so that's really all, all that there is. Um, there's no – I mean, I, I certainly didn't expect on the stage for a TV network to say, hey, we've got a new deal. It's five years, a billion dollars. But I expected that maybe after this that there would be some sort of report in, in media somewhere saying, you know, we, we've been told according to sources, you know, with, with knowledge of, of the agreement that there's been a renewed deal of five years for whatever, maybe a, maybe a dollar figure. Um, as we speak here on Sunday morning, there's been none of that. Um, and uh, after the – There hasn't even – Yes, there hasn't even been like follow ups to what was announced Wednesday. Like I haven't really seen anything, whether it's from the Observer, whether it's from Fightful, whether it's from somewhere else. Haven't even seen really any follow up to, you know, oh, they didn't announce a new TV deal, but this happened or this is why it's been centered around, you know, CM Punk and who's been featured and who has not been featured in the advertisements for that collision show. But there really hasn't been even a follow up report. I don't even think there was anything in the Observer this week um, saying like, oh, the, you know, even though we thought they were going to announce the TV deal last week, they didn't because X, Y, and Z just seems like it kind of happened. And everyone is now let's focus on whistling, Punk, please. Yeah. Whistling past that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, so, Brandon, you, you yourself, you said this Wednesday was AEW's Super Bowl. I did that. This was going to be the decisive thing to tell us whether the AEW experiment has paid off, whether or not it can become a viable and profitable company. Um, and unfortunately, because nothing, we didn't really get any financial term announcement on Wednesday, it's, it still remains a mystery. I mean, the inclusion of the collision show, would, which suggests that there is a, a strong demand on Warner's end for more AEW contents, and presumably they're being paid pretty handsomely for it, given the extra expenses that are going to occur with this, uh, a second touring brand. Um, at the same Be- time, before we go much further, let's have Golo read the one last thing from PW Insider that comes after the announcement on uh, Wednesday morning. All right. So perhaps even more interesting is that, that there was no media rights renewal announcement today. PWInsider.com is told by a source at Warner Brothers Discovery that there was never, ever a plan for either side to announce a new deal between AEW and WBD. There had been rampant speculation online about a new deal between the two sides being worth as high as $1.5 billion. But beyond that speculation, there had been uh, any no. I'm sorry, there had been any linking, inkling, sorry, from either W or AEW or WBD that a new rights agreement had been locked in. Much less was going to be officially announced today. Once again, like Saudi Arabia buying WWE, another story with no basis in fact run amok. We are told there is no announcement expected today on that front. Okay, so I I, I feel kind of bad for titling our show last week. Uh, you know, new deal to be announced and, and things like that. And and I busted out all the factors and got all the models out to be like, yeah, look, look at how, you know, it could be three X, five X or whatever it is. And then here we are, we've got no deal because I, I really let um, some of the reporting from last week influence what I expected to happen. And that has not happened as far as we know, I guess it could have, there could have been an agreement, but there's been no report of an agreement beyond the addition of collision, which which I agree has got to be, you know, if the cost is around twenty five million dollars per year for the additional production of collision, then the compensation I 
believe would be increased to something near or above that number for AEW. Um, but no TV deal. And then there's yet to be any report that makes me think that that Dynamite and Rampage have been renewed beyond 2025. You learned a valuable lesson about listening to the media. Which is what? You, you, you let speculation get, get you excited. It got me excited. I was, I was, I had, I was like really busy at work on Wednesday during the announcement, but I was kind of like constantly trying to keep an eye on, okay, when's that press release dropping? When's, when's this upfront starting? I was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't interested in watching a stream of it, but uh, I was like everyone else, you know, expecting something big and I don't know, it was pretty, pretty disappointing, I guess, in, in the sense of we didn't get that kind of clarification and people, people like me who want to do a victory lap, over AEW's financial success, uh, were kind of denied that in a lot of ways. Um, so AEW yeah. pessimism lives on. AEW could be going out of business still. Really. They could be. I mean, I know. Uh, look, look at what's going on backstage. It looks like they're. They might not. It looks like it's. You know, it's done. I don't care that they just announced a new two two hour show uh, on Warner Brothers Discovery. You have to think Warner Brothers Discovery cannot be happy with the way things are going on right now in AEW. I'm being Assuming- sarcastic. I want to clarify. I'm being <laughs> no. We're going to isolate that later. That's going to be its own <laughs> clip. Um, assuming that there's no renewed deal for Dynamite Rampage beyond 2025, and perhaps not even for for Collision beyond 2025. Um, given that people in the media believe this to an extent, and, and certain certain you know people talking about it online believe this, um, should AEW have done something at least? You know, go on background, tell somebody, hey, look, this is not this is not represent a renewal. Yeah, yeah. There's probably going to be a Collision announcement here. Uh, but there's, you know, temper your expectations here. But apparently that didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly possible. I mean, AEW theoretically has the PR department to go out and reach out to the biggest newsmakers in, in, in wrestling and say, clarify kind of what is going to be announced on Wednesday um, to avoid that kind of, I guess, extensive disappointment. At the same time, I also realistically don't know how many people were really watching that upfront and expecting that new TV deal. What percentage of their fan base is, is closely following those aspects of it? It's probably certainly people listening and watching this show um are all over it but out of the you know eight hundred fifty thousand dynamite watchers each week how many of them are really focused on things like that maybe they don't consider it worth their time but um it would probably would have been helpful on our end and and i did ask last week um you know at, at, at least one person who would definitely know definitely in position to to decide whether to to you know make sure the media knows and i did not get a response um so so we do have um, not just a show on Saturday, but we do have some dates for this show on Saturday that were announced by Tony Khan on the Wednesday night Dynamite show. Uh, it's going to premiere June 17th. No location to be announced. Rumor that that's going to be the United Center in Chicago. Uh, that was held back, apparently, because there's issues with CM Punk. Maybe a disagreement between CM Punk and, and AEW involving a Steel. Whether or not a Steel is going to be a producer in, in light of his... Uh, involvement in the all-out fight uh, last September. But in addition to that, Saturday before Forbidden Door, Toronto, also at the Scotiabank Arena, uh, Hamilton, Ontario, the following week, which will be a Thursday taping instead of a Saturday night live taping. So that's going to be the day after a Dynamite is already scheduled there in Hamilton. Uh, So two straight days now in Hamilton. Uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, that Saturday event that, you know, maybe we were thinking it was going to be a house show, house rules. No, that's going to be a collision taping same thing for calgary on saturday july 15th and a new date at the prudential center in newark new jersey for those events um those tickets did go on sale and we have the latest numbers from wrestle 
and the advances are pretty low. So some of these, the Canada dates, I believe had already been on sale. Um, and the, the Calgary Saddle Dome is over, over 3000, the Newark Prudential Center event in on July 22nd is over 3000. Uh, the day before forbidden door at about 1600 in Toronto, 1600. And then Hamilton, the day after a dynamite taping is already scheduled there. According to the latest count from WrestleTicks, 569. Um, I think I have drawn some some crowds that are higher than 569. Um, so that's that's pretty low. We'll is see what happens. Yes, is that the pre-sale um, numbers believe, or are those? I believe this general is general on sale. sale. I believe this is all general. I heard I heard the 569 number a couple days ago, and someone told me it was the pre-sale number. Um, that's a good question. But, Let me make sure before we uh, let's see here. General public on sale. Russell Tix reported this yesterday for Hamilton. So that is, that is general on sale. Um, so we'll see what happens if, you know, the, 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 the tease is that Tony's going to reveal the location of the June 17th show. Presumably that's going to be Chicago United Center, and that will indicate either explicitly or implicitly that CM Punk is going to be there. Does that lift any of these ticket sales? We'll see. I think there's a number of ways to look at these numbers. The first thing that should be pointed out is that these, with the exception of the Brand Center in Regina, these are extremely large buildings that they're running. Um, all of these first buildings Ontario are, Center is big. I have no idea. The first Ontario Center, I think, has a, a capacity of close to twenty thousand. Like it's a very large uh, building. Um, Scotia Bank Arena, of course, is the big, the biggest arena in Toronto. Um, Saddle Dome is where play, the, right. Yep, and the Raptors, the Saddle Dome is where the Calgary Flames play, probably similar capacity, seating capacity, 18,000 or so. And the Prudential Center, of course, is, you know, a large NBA-sized arena in New Jersey. Um, and so there's a number of ways to look at these numbers. The first two things that jump out to me are, uh, you know, to explain, I guess, like why they're so low. The first thing is there's CM Punk hasn't been announced at all for these shows. I think if you announce him, you see tickets moving. Um one, because he's a big draw, and two, because it tells you that collision is important and it matters. And right now, um, that, the second thing I look at is related to that in that I think that um, you know, what ha- what AEW Rampage has become, which is a decisively B show that is viewed as largely unimportant and insignificant by a majority of AEW fans, has already tainted the opinion on collision. Because I think a lot of fans see collision and they think, oh, it's just another version of AEW Rampage. Uh, you know, it's, if CM Punk gets announced and you do, uh, you know, whether it's a soft or hard roster split and it becomes collision becomes the only place you can see some of their biggest stars like CM Punk that changes the the narrative. And it changes, I think, fans perception of collision. But right now, without CM Punk being announced, I think people are seeing collision and they say, uh, just like AEW Rampage, it's, it's not going to be that important. There's not going to be title matches. There's not going to be matches that have major storyline ramifications for the biggest stars. And then those people are not going to go and buy tickets to the shows. And I think that's reflected in the, the week ticket sales so far. And, if, and they're ambitious about it because they're running the biggest buildings in Canada. These are probably like, with the exception of the Brandt Center, these are, you know, the, the, the Calgary, the Saddle Dome, the First Ontario Center, the, the Scotiabank Arena. Those are probably three of the 10 largest arenas in Canada. Yep. These are all, in, oh, except for New Jersey. Well, in, in the case of um, the events where they're already doing a taping, which is Toronto and Hamilton, it's... It's pro- I'm sure it's cheaper to do that, to stay in the same venue than to say to go go to the Coca-Cola Coliseum in Toronto or to go to another right. venue in, in the nearby area just because and, of the and, load in, load out. And that Toronto show is related to also for you have – I'm kind of surprised the Toronto show is – because that's the Saturday right before Forbidden Door, correct? Yes. 
So you theoretically have not only Toronto fans, but you also have a lot of fly-in fans that are going to be in Toronto for that weekend because they're there for Forbidden Door. You think that would be an easy, not a sellout necessarily, but an easy, you know, big crowd by AEW standards. Um, so I'm not quite sure why it's so poor. I mean, that's that's got to be hugely disappointing at this time. We'll see, but it's, it's only a month away. It's not like these shows are, are, are months and months away to, 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 to build hype. They really need to, um, whether it's getting CM Punk on the show or doing something else to really sell people that these are important shows that you need to go to. Um, I don't know. I think that's what you have to do if you want to not have a, you know, really disappointing ticket sales. Are you going to say something? Well, I was just going to, the first Ontario center, that was cops Coliseum. So of course, yeah. So that's good good to know. Pretty substantial uh, arena, 19,000 people. So I have many memories of cops Coliseum being plugged during WF superstars on Fox 29 in the nineties. Um, so it, it brings to mind one of the risks that come with doing collision, you know, getting hopefully a lot of money for, for doing collision. But there's there's some risks that come with that. And that's the dilution of, of other areas of your business, including live events, including ratings. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens if, if some some big angle happens and punk comes out and there's there's a lot of interest in what's going on here maybe these ticket sales will increase um like you said there's a lot of people in town probably for forbidden door which is the sunday to have people i mean this is this is being announced so late um it's not it's you know it's, it's not like this was introduced obviously along with the announcement that forbidden door is is in toronto on on june 25th um so so it's not as if people have made plans to already be there necessarily on Saturday. Uh, they, they may be getting there, you know, early on Sunday or late on Saturday. And they they made their plans not knowing that there was going to be this this additional event uh, that they had to make time for on Saturday. Um, is there how much of a risk is that risk in that how much is having these additional events and going to going to markets more often? or hitting these markets twice in a week, how much is that going to dilute one live events and ticket sales? And how much is more importantly, is that going to dilute the TV ratings of the other two shows, Dynamite and Rampage? Do you see that as a big risk or not so much? I'm not, I mean, Rampage is what Rampage is, whatever. I think Collisions existence. Punching is just on a Rampage. Further, it's just it kind of like, it's just a further, uh, WCW yeah, worldwide. It's becoming like WWE main event or, you know, WCW Saturday night or one of the, the shows that just kind of exists and is on TV. People can watch it if they want. But I don't think Warner is concerned that much with uh, – I don't think it's that concerned that much with what they're doing. Um, Collision, I think Dynamite is like almost like Monday Night Raw in the sense that if you're an AEW fan, you're conditioned to watch on eight, on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Your, your weekly schedule, um, if you're a big fan – is, has, has that eight o'clock window at Wednesday night largely cleared out. Um, I don't know if it will really have that big of an impact on dynamite. Um, historically, if you look at like what WCW thunder did for nitro, what the introduction of SmackDown did for Monday night raw history tells us that adding a second major kind of brand does hurt, um, to get right TV ratings to an extent, but I think that overall, I think Dynam- people who are going to watch Dynamite, people who are, are big AEW fans are going to watch Dynamite first and for foremost. It's The onus is going to be on Collision to, to convince people to watch that show because um, that's at an unfamiliar TV time and a TV time that a lot of people are not going to be around for naturally because it's on a Saturday night. 
Yeah, Saturday eight o'clock is going to be very tough. Like, I mean, I don't know how better these ratings are going to be than Rampage. To be honest with you, yeah, they'll be on earlier than Rampage, which helps. Um, they'll be facing a lot of uh, live sports competition, especially during college football season. Um, I would say in net that this time slot eight to ten on Saturday is better than a time slot at ten on Friday. Right, and maybe will be interesting to see like. We know how much Rampage gets has gotten moved around being on TNT, especially during the NHL and NBA playoffs. Is Collision going to get moved around a lot? Or, um, Probably. Now it's it's noticeably starting after the the playoffs right. have wrapped up for both of those sports, which is probably not a coincidence. Yeah. But if you know we're a year from now and it's probably going to get moved around a lot more, it's already getting moved around. Right? They're doing a, oh they're doing a Thursday taping, but it's mm-hmm. going to air on Saturday. Right. And, and um, that that seems to. I would guess based on the, the date of that is that that's just to give crew to, to not, not make them have to work uh, July 4th. Weekend. Yeah. The holiday weekend. Yeah. And it's probably, and it's probably just more cost effective to say, Hey, let's add an extra day to Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And there's a, and, and this is all kind of why CM Punk, I think has so much leverage in his ongoing negotiations with AEW, whatever those may be because of it really seems like Collision needs that one big individual star that can make the show feel important, make people tune in on Saturday night, make people buy tickets to go to the arena, make people understand that AEW Collision is not like Rampage. It is just as important as Dynamite, and you need to watch it if you want to stay in the loop on what's happening with some of their biggest stars. And whether it's because CM Punk himself it, the, the, he needs to have his own show because he can only exist in this pocket universe because he can't get along with anyone or other people don't want to work with him. Or it's simply because they need that big star for this show. And whether or not CM Punk had a tremendous relationship with everyone else on the roster or not, he'd still be called to anchor the Saturday show. It's the same. It's because they need that one giant big star um, to make this show feel important, especially when it first starts. Because as we saw with Rampage, Punk actually helped Rampage a lot when he debuted. Obviously, his debut was on Rampage, but that first month or so uh, of Rampage where Punk was kind of only on Rampage and not on Dynamite, Rampage did very well in the ratings. It was very competitive and was finishing in the top five on Friday nights despite that 10 o'clock time slot. So they can look at that model and say, okay, we can do this. It's just going to be on Saturday now. Um, But he needs to be there every week and he needs to be – um, healthy and he needs to be, you know, willing to work with everyone. And those are all questions that still need to be answered. So this will be, I, I assume, c- confirmed as United Center, June 17th. Confirm that Wednesday, let's say. Um, and f- first of all, do we buy that? Like, was this the original plan? What, what do you think is the original plan here in terms of the Wednesday announcement of these I dates? Couldn't e- I couldn't even begin to guess. I have no idea. Right. You're suggesting that it's possible that the United Center was supposed to be announced the last Wednesday. Right. Um, as part of the why, why would you wait? What Wednesday is going to be is, is you got three weeks now to sell tickets. Why, why would you give yourself three weeks rather than four weeks? Uh, unless there was some conflict b- between AEW and Punk that, that made you hold it back. For sure. But also, if you remember last time when they announced, when they announced CM Punk's return, it wasn't like they did that with a ton of weeks buildup. They almost, some of the intrigue was that they were announcing the United Center with such a quick, um, turnaround that it made the show, the event feel special and more important and more significant because people said, Oh my God, they're running United Center in only two weeks. Something huge must be was, happening. Was it two weeks' notice? It wasn't that, it yeah, wasn't that long. long. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Because um, that was part of the whole, you know, ramp up for it was it, it's like, Oh my God, they're running a bigger, 
building than they've really ever run before. And it's going to be um, in Chicago and they've got a special announcement or something teased. Um, I think they're maybe they're, look, they're, they're, they're trying to recapture it. They're trying to do the exact same thing that they were did last year. I don't know if it's going to work as well. Um, so we assume that I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't guess if they, what you said, Brandon makes perfect logical sense. Why would they not just announce United center last week unless something had changed, but or something was in doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, hard to speculate on that so let's assume wednesday night they reveal united center chicago june 17th now we've got three weeks to sell tickets most of those ticket sales will happen when when tickets first go on sale and then there'll be some more um towards towards the the day of the show and then very little in between that's the trend of these shows generally um united center is a big building how many is this going to sell out even if i mean What's going to be advertised here? Strongly implied that CM Punk is going to be there, probably, maybe not explicitly, whatever the case. Can just the notion that CM Punk is going to be there for the, you know, he's going to be in AEW for the first time since last September, is that enough to sell this building out? I, I doubt it. I think it'll be maybe be a respectable crowd, but I, don't, I doubt this is going to sell out the United Center. I mean, look at the other ticket sales for Collision so far. There's yeah. not a lot of interest in the Collision brand. So you're really I, just. I, I would look at this under the premise that. CM Punk's not a part of these shows yet because it's not confirmed that he will be. It's not, right, but I'm, I'm just saying like we're now counting on CM Punk, just CM Punk, no one else almost, no no other branding to sell 14,000. Who is their biggest draw by far? Right, but there's – I don't know if there's any wrestler in the world right now that's selling 14,000 tickets based on just their presence. Maybe like The Rock, if The Rock was appearing on a show or something like that, but – did, did you see I, – I have a slide to bring this up later. But did you see Roman Reigns was accidentally advertised for Fayetteville, South Carolina and moved a couple thousand tickets? Only a couple thousand. That's not on the scale of what you're saying. But yeah, that did happen. He said, well, that's more than the 300 tickets he moved uh, in the past during, for the uh, Long Island show. But he, so he's he getting moved more a couple thousand he, tickets on, the, on a mistake. Imagine if he had like the title for 2,000 days. Think of how many more tickets he would sell. Look at how more over he'll be in the 2,000 days. He could sell 3,000 tickets if he was there. Um, good, good to know you're look, in favor of an even longer run for Roman Reigns. <laughs> I'm just saying this is what could happen. You want to make a big draw. 2,000-day title reign. Um, but also, this is Chicago. CM Punk has a special drawing ability in Chicago, as we learned last year um, with the, the first dance for the Rampage episode. Has CM Punk heard his drawing power? I think the answer is unequivocally yes, but we don't have any proof of that yet. But I definitely think that CM Punk is less popular than he was. There's certainly less novelty as we get further from his return in 2021. But I think that... But you're suggesting, does does the brawl out controversy, does that, is that in the consciousness of fans enough for that to be a negative on his drawing power. I think it's in the consciousness of some fans, the size of those fans and how many of those people would be like regular ticket buyers. It's it's hard to say. I think there were kind of like three opinions on CM Punk amongst AEW fans. There are people of probably a vast majority of fans, realistically people who don't really care or have an opinion on anything CM Punk has done outside of, the wrestling on screen and his on-screen character and just kind of would be excited to see him back and want to see wrestling him wrestling again. The other group is people who love CM Punk, uh, have sided with him in this debate between this feud between him and the elite, um, and are hugely supportive and are going to want to see him come back. And that third group are people who are 
really frustrated with his behavior. Don't like the way he's conducted himself. Don't like the way he's played games. Uh, don't like his, his sassy social media posts. And those people are only on Instagram, have, by the way, those people have become like anti CM Punk fans for lack of a better term. And that third group of people really didn't exist among the AEW fan base when he first debuted last year. And during his run, you know, in AEW, there wasn't really anyone that was like, Oh, I'm annoyed with CM Punk or I don't want to see CM Punk wrestle or he's dragging everyone else down. That was, th- those people didn't exist. And now they do. And that is in the mind of some fans. And even if that's like 5% of AEW fans that are now like, I don't like CM Punk anymore. That's still a significant portion of the, the fan base. Um, What's it's not called the vocal minority. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure it is. I'm sure the majority of fans don't really care if you know about anything CM Punk did. Don't care about the press conference. Don't care about his fight with the elite. They just you know are 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 more passive in their fan fandom. So they're just you know oh CM Punk he's a big star. I'd like to see him wrestle. I'm sure that's a majority of the fans. But there is a loud um, sm- you know perhaps small segment of the fans who are now anti CM Punk, and that did not exist during his first run with the company. You know last year. Um. Okay. So. Anything else to add here on, on AEW? I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the crowd reactions are like after the first couple of weeks. Um, we saw a little bit. There was wasn't like a Colt Cabana chant at one point, a small, very small Colt Cabana chant at one well, point. Well, he made sure to yell at the guy who was yes, chanting and, for and, Colt Cabana. Which, and then ingrained him. Uh, <laughs> uh, amplified, so. which amplified that because um, he just he had to call the guy out. So now um, it's, it's, it's like re- replying to trolls on Twitter. You, you, you give them oxygen and then they just, you know, multiply. Um, so, and it'll be interesting too to see what the rating can really be. That Saturday, June seventeenth, will will be a big rating, I assume. Um, it's not going to be on the level of the first Rampage, no way. Uh, which which was like one point one million viewers. I forget what the demo rating was. Yeah, um, the second that was actually the second Rampage. I'm sorry, that's right, that's right. Um, but yeah, it was a huge, huge rating. I mean, CM Punk's return, massive gate, massive, uh, massive TV rating. So it'll be a big rating probably at first. It'll fall down from there. Uh, and so it'll I, – I, I've modeled it as like 0.15 in the demo. You know, I don't know what that is in terms of total viewership, like 500,000 viewers or something like that, maybe 600,000. Um, 600,000 feels high considering what, what Dynamite is doing. Granted, it's against playoffs and stuff like that right now. Um, but I don't expect really big numbers here. Uh it remains to be seen how it's going to do against PLEs when WWE is running on Saturday nights. It remains to be seen what this is going to do for AEW's pay-per-view schedule. Are all the pay-per-views going to have to be Sundays now? Whereas on holiday weekends, we're on holiday weekends later, but on holiday weekends, they've been doing pay-per-views on Sunday nights. But the two, let's see, they are doing Forbidden Door on a Sunday. Uh, Revolution, was was Revolution a Saturday? Paper? No, it was a Sunday pay-per-view. Wait, well, I don't know. Can somebody look that up? What What was... The yeah, revolution. I believe it was Sunday. Was it a Sunday? Have all the pay per views been Sundays in the last while? Then yeah, it was Sunday, March fifth. Okay. Well, anyway, does does this mean that pay per views are going to be on Sundays rather than Saturdays permanently? I guess a lot of them have been anyway. Um, okay. Now, now we've done AW pessimism. You ready for more pessimism? Also at the upfronts this week, NBC Universal had their upfront presentation. Very little WWE presence. Granted, there was like no talent presence on any of these upfronts, really, uh, on stage anyway, with some with some exceptions, um, because of the WGA strike that's happening here. Where so that so to honor the w, WGA strike, no talent is really, with some exceptions, appearing on the stage. Uh, so w, uh, 
NBCU, very little W presence, maybe some clips and some montages. Fox, same thing, very little W presence in the montage, you know, except for maybe some video clips and whatnot. We did get a Gordon Ramsay and Michael Strahan appearing on stage at Fox. So very little presence for WWE at either of these upfronts. Um, these were both on Monday. And then the WWE stock on Wednesday morning took a big hit. Endeavor fell, not to, not to the same extent, but fell with it. Um, WWE's stock has been on a really strong run, to be clear. It has not fallen anywhere near back to the point where it was several months ago. It's still trading at over $100 as of the close of the market on Friday. So WWE stock is still on the whole picture the last several months since the merger announcement, doing really well. Uh, that said, it did fall by multiple percent on Wednesday. I was struggling to understand what was going on. Uh, you know, I, I would figure, you know... When we talk about what whatever's going on with AEW, certainly in, in the effect of, a, of an immediate effect on a day, I would say if you're suggesting that AEW is having anything to do with what the WWE stock is doing, I think you're living in a wrestling bubble, and I think you're overemphasizing the degree to which at least the investment community, the people who control the shares here, really care about or are even aware of what AEW is doing and to whatever extent that has an impact on WWE's business. But on Wednesday morning, you know, w, uh, WBD, I have to be very articulate when I, when I pronounce the WBD and WWE, WBD did announce that they're going to give AEW a new show. And to be optimistic for a moment, that probably doesn't mean that you're going to get rid of AEW anytime soon. It probably means you're going to renew them for, for an additional cycle here. Um, it expresses that WWE's biggest direct competitor is here to stay for at least another number of years. Um, so I figured maybe that that's what was going on. Um, but, but probably not in fact, because it looks like, um, according to light shed, they did their podcast on Friday and talked about how, um, Endeavor had a meeting with their investors, basically telling it's apparently a small meeting, but, but word got out that they told some of their investors to brace yourselves for Fox, not being willing to give SmackDown an upgrade in their renewal cycle. So that could affect the stock. So basically, you know, Fox, uh, Lachlan Murdoch at the, the Moffat Nathanson conference also said that it's very unlikely that they're going to bid on NBA. They don't currently hold NBA, but very unlikely that they're going to bid on NBA and endeavor telling their investors that Fox really doesn't want to pay an upgrade for SmackDown. And if Fox is not going to pay an upgrade for SmackDown, well, then who is? Um, there's Lachlan and there's Ari Emanuel and Mark Shapiro. Um, and I, and I try to use some clarification here, too. Is, does this have anything to do with, you know, UFC, which is owned by Endeavor? Did, does, did UFC, like, not have some good relationship with Fox when they were uh, on Fox? They're on ESPN now. Is that having anything to do with it? And that, I'm, I'm understanding that, no, that's not the issue here. It's just a, a, a fact of Fox expressing that they don't want to pay for an upgrade and Endeavor telling their investors, hey, look, don't be surprised by this. This might happen. So stock took a tumble as a result. The question is, if Fox is not going to pay for an upgrade, is there somebody else who's going to pay for an upgrade for SmackDown? The obvious, are there the most obvious potential suitors here are on the screen. If it's not Fox, well, certainly could see USA taking another night of, of wrestling, which raises the question, why, why didn't you just buy WWE? Well, maybe because there's a sex pest who's the chairman. Could you even see it being, you know, having some presence on Peacock? Amazon Prime was certainly talked up by Nick Khan yep. uh, at the Moffat-Nathanson conference, which we'll talk about in a moment. Maybe ESPN. Is Disney a real player for, for wrestling and for SmackDown? I don't see where 
certainly not on the on the ESPN mothership. ESPN two seems too weak. But if you're gonna do some sort of multi platform, multi medium distribution of this, maybe ESPN plus makes it work. Any thoughts there? Any of these real? I can, can I mention at the upfronts? I wanted to ask because that was a discussion. Obviously, the WWE didn't have a. Um presence at the upfronts but in general it seems like sports don't really have a big presence at upfronts um if you go back to like the slide you had like all the NBC programming i didn't see the nfl on there i didn't see the the premier league um i didn't see the nhl yeah i mean this um, is this is one one not photo NHL, i'm sorry um we, we talked with tony maglio on friday about this and I, I got the sense that sports were highlighted more than usual but usually mm-hmm. they are not highlighted to the extent that they are and as we know, sports are an increasingly important part of, of these network conglomerates and, and the, right. the ratings that they're able to deliver. Um, Fox did have, or was it Disney? Who, who, do, who do Joe Buck and Troy Aikman work for now? Disney, ABC, yeah. ESPN. But yeah, Monday Night Apparently, they, they were at the upfronts and they were on stage for, for Disney's upfront. Mm-hmm. For what that's worth. And we do see Michael Strahan here in this photo. Who's a you know a, a, a Fox NFL analyst and maybe does, does he do like Good Morning America and stuff now too? I don't know what he is now. He was he did he was on the the like Regis and Kelly show as Regis yeah. Philbin's replacement, but he's not. He's been on that in I think a few years. Yeah, TV um, yeah. He was doing Good Morning America recently. I don't know, like which is not a Fox show. In any no, case, it's but, ABC Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, if, if we do the math here, if if it is the case that um, SmackDown doesn't get an upgrade. What, what are we looking at for WB's TV rights fees? As we stand now with these assumptions that, hey, look, maybe uh, maybe it gets maybe WB gets a 1.5x increase, which I think is pretty base case. Then that turns 470 million dollars US average annual value, 470. That's for Raw and SmackDown combined. If you give that a 50% raise, you end up with just over 700 million dollars. Again, going from 470 to $705 million. Uh, or, if you're more optimistic, which is basically, I think what's baked, or at least was baked into the stock before this week, if you're thinking a 1.75x increase, then we're talking about going from 470 to well over $800 million. Um, if you're thinking about doubling it, you get to almost a billion, a, can you imagine a billion dollars per year just in US TV rights? Not to mention international rights, not to mention all the other revenue and all their other businesses that W generates just in us rights fees, but reason to be more pessimistic here. Um, if, if it's, if SmackDown is flat, but you're still able to get a pretty strong increase on raw. So a 1.75 X increase for raw and a flat, no raise deal for SmackDown. Then, well, then you still end up at a, basically a 1.4 X increase and you're at about $670 million per year per year not that long ago that was close to the annual revenue for the entire w business so we're talking about an increase basically regardless of the outcomes here um unless something really unforeseen happens um but nick Khan did speak at moffett nathanson he spoke with i believe michael nathanson at the svb anybody know what svb stands for silicon valley bank yes that silicon valley bank um which is their parent company um Anyway, I, th- I thought this was a, a really robust conversation. I thought this was a really good talk, and he had he had some 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 real things to say um, along the lines of, of the of the subject that we've got up right now. He he said, uh, if I have it here, uh, is is it you know? He says, I got the quote. The reality of it is, 
that we're going to get a really good increase for both of these properties. I believe he's referring to Raw and SmackDown. It's too early yet to say, is it 1.5x? Is it greater than 1.5x? But if you're in the under-promise and over-deliver category, which is what he was bringing up a moment before this, I'd rather go on the low end and, you know, we'll see in 6 to 12 months exactly how it plays out. I believe a minimum – okay, yeah, so that's me talking there. Uh, so he, he's basically saying, hey, look, he's willing to say 1.5x is where I think this can go at a minimum, and he, he can maybe over-deliver. And this is on Thursday he's speaking, so he's probably aware of – the stock being affected and the Endeavor meeting having something to do with that. And he's, I think he's, he's speaking to this concern to say, Hey, look, we can still get 1.5 X here. Um, can we get greater than 1.5 X? Let's see if I can over deliver. He wouldn't fight you if he said 1.75 X. Yes. So both of you have listened to this, this talk here. Yes. Yes. Great. So a lot of, a lot of news here. For one thing, he, he mentioned that there's going to be an India event coming up this September. Not clear if that's going to be a televised India event, if that's just going to be a house show. But there will be a live event, first live event in India since 2017, since the good old days of Jinder Mahal as champion. So maybe Jinder Mahal will re- regain the title here before then. Um, <laughs> that, yes, they did, did do the Superstar spac- spectac- Spectacle uh, back in January 2021. And that was in the Thunderdome. That was directed at the India market. Uh, with a lot of Indian, Indian talent. Um, but that was not in India, obviously, with COVID happening at that time. Um, so that will be in advance of WWE having to renegotiate their deal with Sony or maybe other players in the region. Um, Nick made, made some some comments about Netflix, and he was saying things like, hey, you know, at Netflix, I know they've been having some trouble acquiring subscribers in India. We're the second most popular sport in all of India behind cricket. So sort of indicating to Netflix, hey, we, we know, you know, he was, he brought up too, you know, Netflix has said that they don't want to get into live sports. They would rather acquire a sports league, which they haven't yet. Um, but if they wanted to buy the India rights, maybe there's a future where Netflix is live broadcasting or distributing in, you know, WWE content in India. Uh, their current deal is with Sony, of course. So um, other things that I thought was, was notable here, he brought up his private conversation with Vince McMahon, when Vince yeah. came back to the company, um, and, and he, he, he said, uh, hey, just tell me, he's speaking to Vince, hey, just tell me, is this real? Because there's some scuttlebutt out there that maybe this is just your way to come back into your company. Maybe he was listening to uh, Russellomics Radio and people speculating wildly about why Vince was back. In any case, Nick goes on, which, again, he would have the right to do also. And, and he said, no. Vince said, no, I'm committed to it. I give you my word. And then he did. He did come back and he made a great deal for investors. So just, just Nick Khan, you know, he, he asked the question. He asked Vince whether Vince was, was real about uh, making this deal. And he didn't have to ask the question because Vince could, had every right to do what he was going to do. Yes. He, well, he wants to signal. Hey, look. Th- he this w- says nothing. Khan, Nick Khan says nothing. He just says he talks to Vince. He just said he talked to Vince McMahon and said that, oh, Vince, you know, you're not coming back just to gain power. And Vince's like, no, no, no. This is just – this is just, you know, to make a deal. And then he came back and he had power anyway. And Nick is like, well, he has the right to have the, the deal. So he did. So he's been, Nick is just basically saying, Vince didn't lie to me um, when I asked him if he's just going to come back into power. But he's back in power now anyway. So it doesn't really matter if he lied to me or not. Like, just a useless thing to say. Well, he did agree to a merger. Right, right. So the idea is that Vin- Nick asked, you're not just lying about the merger to get back into power. But Vince kind of 
in a way had to do the merger to get back into power in, in some in some capacity. I, I yeah, he I could have it. bull rushed. He could have bull rushed his way through everything as well. But the idea of doing the merger sweetened the pot certainly enough for people. He could have not done a deal. I mean, he would have faced a lot of shareholder lawsuits and stuff, but he, I think it was survivable. Um, but maybe it's, it was a path of less resistance to agree to some sort of merger. Um, and it, I mean, it's been a great deal for investors. I can't dispute that. Look at look at what the stock price has done since April. 2nd. Oh yeah, I'm not denying that. I'm I'm just like I don't think that this is like it's it's a useless thing to say in that in a setting like this. <laughs> maybe you should have more respect for power. Um, <laughs> So I have a few other things to go to. Do you guys have any, any other takeaways from this that you, that you thought were memorable? Uh, I mean, he said a bunch of stuff. He said that he thinks that he, he threw out the idea that NBC could counter-program Monday Night Football by yes. uh, putting Monday Night Raw and NBC, which I'm sure from a WWE perspective would be great if they could get both Raw and SmackDown on broadcast television instead of cable television. Um, I don't really know what he was talking about because he made it seem like he said NBC hasn't counter-programmed Monday Night Football in any way. Um, And I know that The Voice is on Monday Night, which is, I believe, one of NBC's strongest properties. I guess the argument is that The Voice is not a direct competitor with Monday Night Football from an audience perspective, which... I think would make sense that you would want Monday Night Football is going to kill whatever you put against it. So you might as well aim something that's aimed at something a little bit different than the typical Monday Night Football audience, which wrestling is not. Um, so the idea is that, oh, you can try to take a bite out of, you know, ABC, ESPN by by dumping Raw, you know, right on NBC head to head. And I took it as not necessarily every week, but maybe especially during the football season. Um and he brought he brought this up in the context of Monday Night Football putting the game on ESPN and ABC and then doing the Manning mm-hmm. cast on ESPN too. You could certainly imagine, you know, Raw on USA Network while also simulcasting on NBC and maybe there's a second screen experience on Peacock or something like that. And was was the basketball because I've, I've been catching some of these basketball games, these playoff games on ABC lately through mm-hmm. my antenna. I assume those are also being simulcast on ESPN. Is that correct? No, no, then no. there's ABC exclusives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You can watch them on ESPN plus with an ESPN cable subscription, which is how I watch them. I watch it off the ESPN app uh, okay. on my Roku. Okay. Um, yeah. And like, I mean, the voice I was looking at, the voice does roughly a 0. 0.70 in the key demo on Monday nights during Monday. That's probably heavily female. Yeah. It's gear is heavily female. Um, I like, could raw do a 0. 0.70 if it was on network television? I think that's possible. In the total also or on NBC alone? On NBC al- alone, Maybe. I assume. If yeah. we look at like, you know, what is a typical jump from broadcast to, to network television, The Voice also does, you know, five and a half to six million total viewers, which Raw would not be doing. Um, yeah, but I'm sure in, in like, if you're Nick Khan, it's obviously important to give, that's something you could sell the idea on. Like we could be on NBC this fall which would obviously be a favorable thing for for to happen for WWE. And then do you just move, I guess you could move the voice to a different night or I don't know if there's what their season schedule is like. I would imagine that the, I would imagine that the voice is a more, I, I actually don't know. Cause of from a, from a scheduling perspective, like what do you think is more valuable to NBCU, the voice or WWE? 
I wonder if I, I on its on its face the voice. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's if if you could go to advertisers. Is there is there additional value in being able to say, hey, look, uh, uh, during you know the football season, September, October, November, we're going to have a few episodes here where Raw is going to be on both USA and on NBC, at least those two, and we're going to get a, a much larger audience for Raw in that case versus USA. And are you able to up the CPM because of that or something? I don't know if there's a, an added value there. But certainly on its face, the the voice I'm sure is getting higher CPMs than. And in some ways, NBC, NBC, the network is not counter programming Monday Night Football, but NBCU because it's on USA is counter programming Monday Night Football within under its umbrella. Um, and we all know the value of having Raw. Like the, the other aspect of it is like the value of having Raw on USA is critically important for the USA cable network's existence. They're their biggest uh, and, show times three. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's talking and, no, Yeah, and and that's a that's a huge valuable thing for WWE to have. And to a degree, even though you might get more viewers on putting Raw on network television, you absolutely would actually get more viewers by putting Raw on network television. The value of having Raw as that real heavy anchor for USA um, is in some ways a more valuable position for it to be. That's what I'm going to think. A little bit more about this this idea of simulcasting and where that's happened elsewhere. The the All Star Game was the NBA All Star Game was on both TBS and TNT this year. I looked at I looked that up. Um, Yellowstone. I don't know about I don't know what what the deal is with Yellowstone. I know Kevin Costner's on the outs and whatnot, but like Yellowstone, some of those the episodes of Yellowstone within the last year or so, they were on like every Viacom cable network known to man. Just about. It's like <laughs> um, a supercast, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously the NFL games, you know, some of those CBS games are simulcast as, as the Nickelodeon games. Yeah. The Chikara NFL games. <laughs> uh, and have there been other cases of that where there's been these, you know, putting a single program on multiple networks that I'm not. Yeah. I, they've, I know ESPN has ESPN's done it for years um, with like the college football national championship. They take like, they have different feeds on all the various ESPN networks. Like ESPN has the traditional feed. Then ESPN two will have like, um, like a you know uh, it's it's a it's a co- coaches feed with just just coaches and then ESPN News has a just like a uh, has a certain like, like commentators camp. not like the audio of the headsets right yeah I mean ESPN on ESPN Plus if you watch an NBA game a lot of the times especially in the playoffs you have uh, multiple options you can watch the traditional broadcast and you can also watch um, like a, a behind the rim camera perspective. I don't, I've actually never watched it. I'm not sure if the commentary is different, but the, the camera angle is different. They're showing that twice. Um, WWE has uh, done this, too. They've like had people like a panel watch the pay-per-view while it's going on like on yeah. Twitter or something. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Fox has has a um, – I believe it's Fox um, – has simulcast um, – oh, no, maybe it's ESPN. One of them has simulcast MLB games and events, and they have like a uh, – the traditional broadcast and then on uh, whether I think it might be ESPN has like the traditional broadcast on ESPN of like a baseball playoff game. And then on ESPN two, they have like the analytic um, broadcast of it where it's like, they have a bunch of like the baseball and like analytical um, people talking about spin rate and exit velocity and things like that. Um, simulcast for the, for the real baseball nerds. So other sports have done these kind of simulcasts with, with different kind of things to offer um, as opposed to maybe just a straight up, like, we're going to show the same thing on multiple networks. Um, yeah, these, these foresee a second second screen. I, I, it does bring to mind. I think I brought this up before the 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 second screen experience of watching. You know, those people among Sean Waltman watching that Hell in a Cell, Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt, the Fiend 
match where it just ended in DQ and just and Sean Walton being flabbergasted that there was a DQ no contest finish in a in a cage match. Um, it would be interesting. I, I remember like when on one of the WCW reboots, somebody suggesting like this is their opportunity. You know, make commentary non kayfabe commentary where they're just talking about you know botches and storylines and stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, we can move on to. He talks also about holiday weekends. Um, where he says, hey, look, we did Clash of the Castle during Labor Day. That worked out really well. We got the Saudi Arabia event coming up here, Memorial Day, Fourth uh, of July weekend. That's Money in the Bank. He, he thinks that, you know, th- there was a mistake made in, in people thinking that, you know, during holiday weekends, that you can't program during holiday weekends because everybody's traveling and not available. But he thinks that once, you know, on holiday weekends, yes, people are traveling. But by the time, you know, Saturday or Sunday rolls around, they're, they're at the destination. So expect to see more of these WWE PLEs during holiday weekends. Is there any other wrestling wrestling events that really program holiday weekends? I believe the AEW pay per view events uh-huh. are often during holiday weekends. Yeah. Oh, that oh uh, yeah, those that kid there, he does those shows. That's right. He also said that for the twenty eighth consecutive year in a row, WWE is really committed to, to Lucha Libre and yeah, <laughs> show that will that will convince Tri- the, AAA is coming to his, America. <laughs> the Hispanic audience that you know they're this they're really committed to. They said what did they say like after. The TV deals are yes. maybe... Yeah, he said it's going to be way down the road after the TV deals, yeah. yeah. After the U.S. and U.K. media renewals are complete, he, he uses the he used the words Lucha Libre. Yeah. Um, that there's, you know, that there's a, possibly a Lucha Libre. He, he brought it up, too, in the context of, like, you know, because I think um, he was being asked by Michael Nathanson, you know, how do you think about... You're already 52 weeks a year. How do you think about doing more content. He's like, I, you know, if we could, we would do content every day of the week. Um, and, and maybe, you know, one idea is to do a Lucha Libre style product that would appeal to the Latin American audience. That would appear, appeal to Spanish speaking audiences, um, which we already over index in. So there's an opportunity. So yeah, after we've been hearing US, that, okay. we've been hearing that for the over index and, you know, did you know the Hispanic market is the fastest growing demographic in the United States? That's also brought up since, the problem since Dominic was, was, was a little boy. <laughs> the, I mean, WWE hates Lucha Libre. Like they hate everything about it. Like Vince hates, they hate guys wearing masks. They hate the style. Um, so that's why they, they've never been able, despite their best efforts and a real opportunity um, to make serious inroads because of the financial might that they have compared to the max, major Mexican promotions and the ability to sign the best talent uh, in Mexico. That WWE actually does possess the ability to probably make serious inroads, inroads as a Mexican wrestling promotion. If they were to, if they desire to do so, it'd be much easier than in Japan. Um, but I've always gotten the impression Vince doesn't like Lucha Libre. And he, he wants to really just create a WWE version, a version of WWE that is like WWE Mexico, but doesn't want to actually create a Lucha Libre promotion yeah. that, you know, yeah. I mean, follows I, I, traditional I just Lucha don't believe that, that Vince knows what a Lucha Libre product looks like and what would make it authentic. And there's probably right, no way for which him to is, understand that. And it's why, despite the attempts of bringing in people like, you know, Mystico and right. making them Sankara uh, and, and right. you know, signing Andrade Alberto Del Rio matter, yeah. and Andrade and all these people, um, you know, going out and signing Mystico. My God, Mystico was the biggest wrestling star in the entire world when they signed him. Hmm. Um, and uh, it hasn't worked out largely because WWE has never understood how to actually reach those, those dem- markets, largely because Vince's understanding of, of, of wrestling is very different than what would be considered appealing to traditional Lucha Libre fans. Yeah. It, it would take a lot of um, delegation and, 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 and picking the right people to delegate to, 
to make for an authentic product that would really work, which mm -hmm. it's not there. I, I can't off the top of my head think of examples where Vince on the creative side has been really great at delegating to other creative minds to do right. a style yes. of wrestling that is totally different from what he's and used to. Vince's pro wrestling is focused on tall, good looking guys with big bodies yeah. and speak really good English. And Lucha Libre is full of short guys who wear masks and don't speak English. Take so. the mask off. Yeah. Uh, he, he also basically confirmed that there's talks to do an Australian PLE with the, with the subsidy from the local government. Um, we've yeah, seen reports we, of that. We've heard about the per potential Perth yeah. show similar to the, the Melbourne show that they did a few years ago. Um, and that makes a lot of sense given Australia is a, has, I feel like anytime any wrestling promotion has gone to Australia, which is infrequently, they do really, really well. WWE has done really well when they've gone down there. Remember like 2000 or 2001, yeah, yeah, WCW, WCW was yeah. about to, was about to die. They did like a bunch of, you know, huge shows in Australia. Don't forget about a, WWA all-stars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was the Hogan and the Flair. The Hulkamania um, tour. Yeah. Hulkamania down under that did really well. Um, New Japan does tour there, uh, has toured there in the past. It's a great market for wrestling, and obviously, being an English speaking market helps as well. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, we're we're on a run here where you know your WWE pay per view events. We're doing what three three straight shows not in the continental United States, and all in some matter in some ways. Um, you know, you, you have we had WrestleMania, I guess. You well, no, because we had backlash. Okay. We had back. We had, oh yeah, if you can go back and. You know, excluding WrestleMania, you got four of the last five. Oh, but we're doing okay. Backlash in Puerto Rico, um, the Saudi Arabia show coming up, and then Money in the Bank in London. Um, you know, so we're looking at it's it's possible that we and could some see, of those with government subsidies. In the case of Saudi Arabia, a large government yeah. subsidy. And that, so yeah, there's no government subsidy for the um, Money in the Bank show. Not that I know of, and it being yeah. London, I doubt it. Yeah, and so it's possible, and, and it's one of the better business moves that WWE and, and Nikon have done is, is getting people to pay for these shows. Um, and outside of the, the Saudi Arabia deal, which is obviously hugely beneficial to the company, things like the Australia show, things like clash of the castle in Cardiff and the, the, um, backlash in Puerto Rico, they're, they're, they're double dipping. They're getting these big houses because they're, these markets love wrestling and are, are often starved for them. And they're getting subsidized by the government as well. And I could see that being the future where half or more of the pay-per-view events in uh, on the WWE calendar are, um, you know, subsidized shows or outside of the United States, you know, the continental United States. We're already there this year, almost, right? We don't have dates for some of the final pay-per-view PLE events of the year. Right. I don't think there's beyond SummerSlam. I don't think there's anything. Right. Official. So yeah. we've had – how many shows have we had in the United States? We had the Royal Rumble, which was in uh, – San Antonio, which San Antonio. probably was a subsidy for. Mm -hmm. Then we had Backlash, which was in Canada, in Montreal. Um, we had WrestleMania. The, the Elimination Chamber was in Montreal. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Elimination Chamber. Backlash is in Puerto Rico, which is in the United States, but it, it's a, not in the continental United States, in a market that they rarely – in a market that they hadn't been in for a, a taping in almost five years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Saudi Arabia, which is, you know, baked in two shows a year. So there's two Saudi Arabia shows this year. Mm -hmm. They got money in the bag coming up and then we got SummerSlam in Detroit. So we've had way more shows outside of the continental United States, outside of the traditional cities that they normally go to for shows. Um, you know, we have, we haven't got a pay-per-view event in Chicago. We haven't gotten a pay-per-view event in Boston. We haven't gotten a pay-per-view event um, in, in like St. Louis or some of these other Philadelphia, these places that they normally have gone to. Um, they're really diversifying the locations for these major shows. I think that's helped the houses for them. 
Um, and it's obviously helped them in addition to the, with the subsidies they're getting. And as far as other markets, markets that jump out as international, that would be a great home for a, for a pay-per-view PLE. Um, Ireland jumps out where you've got Becky, Becky Lynch in a big match or Finn Balor or something like that. Seamus. Yeah. They have Irish stars. Um, they didn't, they were going to have the, uh, NXT UK takeover. Uh, that's right. Ireland. That never happened. Right. Hilariously badly named uh, pay-per-view event. Um, I think like Paris, they do really well when they go to Paris. I don't know if they can get a subsidy from the French government, um, but their their last few house shows in Paris have been some of their biggest house shows of the year. Yeah, um, I'm guessing some of these big big cities that you think of as like tourist cities, like certainly you would include Paris in that. Like, are they going to pay money to attract an event there when their tourist tourism economy is probably so strong? It, it, it makes sense when it's like Cardiff, you know, not, not right. Nice, they went to London. Cardiff instead of London because Cardiff was willing to offer something, and London doesn't have to do that because it's such a big tourist city. And in the case oh, of Australia, it sounds like we're talking about Perth as opposed to like Sydney or even Melbourne. Yeah, well, they did get one for Melbourne uh, at the Melbourne to, for that yeah, show. He, um, he brought this up, and I this was factually funny to me. And this was before his time in the company, so maybe maybe that explains it. In that he, he talks about the the. The Australia event, and it seems that he's referring to the Superstar Showdown of 2018, where they believe they did get a government subsidy. I don't think he's he weighed in on that, but that he said it was not televised. Um, it was certainly it was a it was certainly on the network. So I, I yeah, just between yeah, that and, and, the, yeah. and the and the voice seems some, some things are a little bit factually off in the stock. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I, I kind of get what he was saying with the voice as far as like true counter programming, but it's it was just kind of a it, I would not say that that was like a. I would I would not say NBC hasn't kind of programmed. They usually win the night in broadcast uh, television uh, on Monday nights. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about other markets, Germany, perhaps um, I mean, some of these other governments. I, I wonder. We haven't really debate. We haven't really ever figured this out. I'd be interested. I, I wonder if he would answer this because um, I think it's a fair question to ask. Um, if the Saudi Arabia deal is exclusive um, to a certain region to a certain region because we have seen in addition to the Saudi Arabia government pay a lot of money for events and things like that to come to Saudi Arabia. We've seen um, Qatar, we've seen the UAE do similar things. And I'm sure that WWE and they, there'd be an interest in, in WWE. And I believe where is UFC? Doesn't UFC, where's fight Island? UFC already has a relationship. Abu with, Dhabi. Yeah. Yeah. So that's in the UAE. So there's already a relationship between Endeavor and those networks. I would imagine that they would be interested in a WWE show, but perhaps the Saudi Arabia has an exclusive uh, deal with them to prevent them because those are obviously their biggest ri- regional rivals. Um, they're, they're making friends in Syria, though. So, uh... I think, yeah, I think Sami Zayn being a popular WWE wrestler has uh, helped diplomatic relationships between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Syria. I mean, Sa- Sami Zayn is on Night of Champions, which kind of took me by surprise a little bit. So, right, right, and I think it's because um, I think you know Sami's popularity as a WWE superstar. WWE continues to influence the world, and I think this is just another example of that. Yes, we saw a video just during the, was the G7 summit that's happening right now, where uh, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad shook hands with. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, yes, there's lot. been some some public that the, the diplomatic relationships are better, so it's better for Sammy to go in. WWE is not political, though. No, no, no politics in WWE. They're a safe space for things like that. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. 
planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Um, okay, so the, the Nick Khan talk, the, to- the conference tour will continue this coming Tuesday. At the J.P. Morgan TMT conference, maybe he'll be talking to David Karnofsky. We'll see. Um, so there'll be more next week. Uh, moving on to, again, if you want to submit a question or and submit a super chat with your comment or question, we will address it if you're watching live here on YouTube. Um, as I mentioned, we did, did a talk, of, if you want to hear more about the upfronts with somebody who's actually there. We talked to Tony Maglio of, the, of IndieWire. Uh, John Pollock and I did. Uh, that is free on your wherever you're listening right now. It is available there in your podcast feed or on YouTube. Um, and the Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. There's TV ratings reports, which are being expanded into news updates, um, which we'll touch on, as well as the merchandise report. Um, the LWO shirts are still selling strongly, apparently. And you get access to the TV ratings data and slides of this podcast and more. But this past week, we did get some backlash information from Puerto Rico, as a result of a public records request, we got the gate receipts right here uh, one point one about one million dollars flat, just over a million dollars flat for SmackDown is the live gate. And that's not including the government subsidy they got, which is an additional one point five million dollars. So one point five million dollars just to be there. Apparently, they got three hundred thousand dollars in in kind value, which is related to the, the venue. Um, so a million dollars SmackDown in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then one point four million dollars for the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon, just to clarify, mm-hmm. the SmackDown, the, the subsidy, you, they didn't get a separate subsidy for SmackDown, correct? No, no. It's a subsidy is. just mainly for Backlash. I believe event, so. But for, in, in short, the entire weekend, which would be the two shows. Right. But there's not like they got a subsidy, set, two separate subsidies no. between the two. Right. Um, they, they sold 200, about $250,000 $250, in venue merch, which is relatively low. It only comes out to about eight, $8.5 per paid ticket. Um, in any case, this was uh, – I did look this up. I pulled out the Polestar data, and I looked at what did New Year's Revolution in 2005 do, um, and we can compare it to what this Backlash show did. Um, and if you look at the, the uh, New Year's Revolution uh, gate, I think I have it in here, uh, it did 800 and at $97,988. So about just under $900,000 for a live gate in 2005. If you adjust that for inflation, that is like a few tens of thousands of dollars lower than this Backlash show. So you can say, even adjusted for inflation, Backlash, not even counting, you know, SmackDown, they lopped another million dollars on top of it. But this Backlash show is the highest grossing ticket event for WWE in Puerto Rico in W history, unless there's like some house show that somehow, you know, which is no, very unlikely. I doubt it. Yeah. So, so that's, that's SmackDown. Um, Double or nothing coming up, not sold out over 4,000 tickets still, still available for it. 7,177 is the number that WrestleTix has for the tickets distributed account for double or nothing in Las Vegas. I will be there. Um, and WrestleTix has SummerSlam has crossed 40,000 at Ford field. In Detroit, and I will be there too. And in fact, because I will be traveling next week during our normal recording time, uh, WrestleMonics Radio will not be on Sunday next week. Will not be on Sunday next week, but we'll, we are being preempted, much like AW Rampage. We'll be on Monday at the, at the same time, 11 a.m., Monday instead of Sunday. So we'll be, we'll be able to talk at that time about 
um, Double or Nothing, which will have happened on Sunday, and any news coming out of the news conference. I will be, I'll be talking to you live from probably a hotel in Las Vegas next week. Coming to us live from the state of Nevada. Yes. You know, in Nevada, you can call people on the phone and record them without telling them that you're recording. Great. That's good information to know. It's like one of like a few states you can do that. Okay. I'm assuming people did that to Herb Abrams. <laughs> okay. Do we have do we have any uh, questions or comments? Um, or just we just had the super chat that actually came. Uh, that was from uh, Allison Tuckwell, which we addressed. We talked about uh, the new AEW uh, rights deal rumors. So, did but, they get a new deal, or did they get the plug pulled, or did they get a new deal? Um, remains to be seen. Did did the, did the plug get pulled? Uh, probably not. They got a new TV show, which I think indicates that WBD is committed probably to renewing them. Don't know what, at at what kind of raise though. Um, I doubt there's been a new TV deal for Dynamite and Rampage, but um, t- Tony Khan will be asked many questions this week, so maybe we'll learn more. Anything? Anything else to bring up? No, that, that, that's all. Any other uh, deep topics, Jesse? Anything to plug? Deep topics? Um, I mean, I, I've done a lot of podcasting this week, but uh, I wanted to talk about. Can we go back to double or nothing attendance, yes. real quick. I'll double ask both of you this: seven thousand one hundred and seventy-seven. They, they're also putting out discounted tickets. Yeah, but obviously, this this is a show that has done phenomenally well the last two years that they've been able to run in Las Vegas. This is obviously significantly less than what they've done the previous two years. I'll ask both of you this. What is your immediate takeaway from that number? What would you say if I'm like, why is the number so low this year? Why are they only at seven, you know, 7,100 tickets a week away? What would, what would your immediate explanation be? Um, The product is not as strong as it was last year. Last year, 13,131 distributed. The year before that was at Daly's Place and the, t- towards the tail end of no touring. Um, the product is not as hot. Last year, 2021, he had CM Punk. 2022. Yeah, 22. Yeah. I'm sorry. 2022. He had CM Punk and Hangman Page, where, according to CM Punk, Hangman Page almost ruined a million-dollar gate. I believe that was yes, $1.3 million. I don't think he'd be in danger of, of blowing a million-dollar gate this time. No. Yeah, really. Um if you figure, I don't know, let's let's say eighty-five dollar average ticket sold price at this point, and figure, I don't know, let's say let's say sixty-nine hundred are paid. We're at we're at just over half a million, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, the product is not as strong. Main event is not as strong. This this four-way, uh, I will try to remove my personal taste from this, but this four-way is not that big of a deal. What are the other strong matches on this card? Uh, the elite the, versus yeah, the bullet club uh, in, the, in the blackpool combat club anarchy in the arena adam, adam cole versus chris jericho okay i would say those are your three big that those two matches in the main event are your, your three else, big. what else is on this card at this point probably gonna be jamie um there's jamie Hayter versus tony storm um there's the acclaimed um ftr versus uh, jay lethal and jeff jarrett there is um jay white Oh, Jay White versus Ricky Starks hasn't been announced yet, but speculation is that it's going to be announced this week. Um, there's uh, what else? I just did a three-hour preview of this pay-per-view yesterday on the Warren Hayes show. Um, there is uh, Jade Cargill versus Taya Valkyrie. There is... Um, Which has already happened on TV. Right. Um, there's uh, going to be a Christian versus... Christian Cage versus Wardlow for the TNT title. There's... Um, Orange Cassidy in the Casino Battle Royal defending the International Championship. Um, there's probably going to be a trios match def- title defense. I think the 
what most people think it's going to be, again, probably announced this week, is going to be the acclaimed in Billy Gunn versus the House of Black. Um, is that it? Is there anything else in the show? Um, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Anything? That doesn't sound like the strongest card relative to others. Well, I think for starters, so much of the typical star power in the company is in that Blackpool Combat Club versus yeah. um, the Elite Feud. If you were to if you were to disperse those names, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, John Moxley, Brian Danielson, in other matches on the show, you would maybe have a much more robust card as opposed to what a lot of people feel like is a one one match card as far as interest goes, and it's that match. Um, that's that's one thing. Um, I think, you know, the product's not as hot, as you said. You don't have CM Punk, who's your biggest star or had been your biggest, you know, ticket-selling ticket star. Um, you know, you don't have, outside of MGF, you don't have what I would consider, like, anything close to a proven commodity in the main event. You have three young wrestlers you're trying out in that role, um, none of whom feel like they're really hot or peaking uh, for this role. Um, can, can this do 100,000 pay-per-view buys? Yeah. Um, I'd be surprised if it didn't. Um, I think... Um, if we assume that Dave is you know, the, the most recent ones have done 130 or so, something in that nature. Yes, and, and, and Dave mentioned this that it seems like for the last three or four pay per views, people, you know, going back to the Forbidden Door show, everyone, people have been like, oh man, this pay per view is not going to do that well. And the pay per views kind of do the same uh, for the most part. Um, and there's also this idea that the AEW pay per views are, for the most part, sure things, that the, the shows are going to be really good. And even things like this four-way match, which people have you know been very down on from a build perspective and aren't don't really think MJF is going to lose the title and there's not a ton of intrigue in the build for it. It feels like everyone I've talked to have agreed that the match itself is going to be very good. Um, Goal, and okay? I, I, you, you look like you're just you're having like a a resting panic face. I, I, I gotta go to the bathroom, but I'm just I'm holding it up. <laughs> then go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Yeah, go to the bathroom, Golo. Um, now I feel bad if I'm gonna, I'm gonna ramble. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. That, yeah, God. that's a fear of mine is having to really go to the bath. I always go right before the show starts because yes. I'm always afraid always. that I'm gonna have to go to the bathroom. Always, but but we can always, you know, with a, that's one of the good things about a three three person panel is that there's always room to vamp if you need to kill time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think. But another thing I want to say is I do, I do think that if you're a Look, uh, Double or Nothing has always been a big fly-in show, right? Memorial Day weekend, Las Vegas. Um, well, easy place to fly to, easy place to get a hotel room. Um, but you look at the wrestling calendar. I think WWE being better and being you know more popular uh, has has maybe people some people who maybe were down on the WWE product a few years ago are now looking at it. You know, maybe flying to go to the Royal Rumble, going to WrestleMania, maybe SummerSlam. Uh, and some of those fans are looking at this calendar and they're like, and do I really want to go to double or nothing? What if I, maybe I want to go to the SummerSlam instead. Maybe I wanted, maybe cause I went to the Royal Rumble this year. I'm not going to double or nothing. Um, you also have forbidden door, um, which maybe if you're an AEW traveling fan, which fit, which show do you think is going to be better forbidden door or double or nothing? Do you really want to go to a show to, you know, two shows in back to back months? Um, Double or Nothing is the special show. It's the New Japan co-promotional show. It feels like a, an event that's once a year as opposed to Double or Nothing, which is not particularly different uh, than any of the other, you know, four regular AEW pay-per-views per year. Maybe some of the fans are looking at going to that London show at, at Wembley Stadium as well. So I think that the, the traveling fans are being cut up a little bit, part in part because 
WWE and the fans who are maybe going willing to go to both WWE and AEW shows, picking WWE shows this year. Um, and AEW has kind of created some of its own internal competition by adding more special events like the, like Forbidden Door and like that Wembley show. Um, so I think that plays a factor as well. Uh, in addition to, I think, the product being cooler. And just to add to how is WWE doing here in this era where Vince is back in, in a more explicit role in creative as opposed to late last year. Um, ratings in May for Raw and Smack. And we have this brand split, which raises some questions. Is this being executed well or not? Um, demo for Raw and SmackDown in May, you know, or a few episodes into May for each of these shows, is up more than 20% for each of them, while total, total yeah. viewership is up high single digits. Um, yeah, so they're definitely holding on to the WrestleMania um, fans more than they did like last year. Um, and I wonder, I wonder why that is. Is it, um, you know, Cody's presence probably helps um, to a degree. And he, obviously he was around last year, but he's more of an established character um, a year from now. Um, the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens storyline, you know, still going on and still, still taking place after WrestleMania um, probably helps. Um, Roman Reigns has, has, has come into his own as a draw. Do you, yeah. I mean, Reigns is, he's, a bigger draw this year than he was last year. I mean, how many of the SmackDown shows has he appeared on in May? I would have to look. I mean, he certainly hasn't wrestled on any of them. Um, no, but, but, um, but he, he was, he hasn't wrestled that much anyways, but I'm, I'm curious to know, like, uh, I think, didn't events, he, like, by the way, are, are, you know, these market market comparisons, not granted. A lot of these ticket sales are being sold, um, months ago, but these, you still got really strong, Mark to market comparisons yeah, here. Attendance is still strong. They haven't, yeah. despite concerns about, oh, they killed Cody at WrestleMania, and I thought Cody not winning at WrestleMania was a big mistake. Um, we have yet to see that reflected in, in, in uh, any real noticeable downturn in ratings. If anything, it's they're still very strong. Yeah. Um, Columbia, South Carolina was over 10,000 compared to the Raw that they did in February of last year, which is 7,000. Uh, Greensboro Coliseum, over 10,000, which is almost double what they did in May, 2022. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're going to start creeping up. I think, you know, in the next few months, when we look at year to year comparisons, we're going to start creeping back up to when they really started to take off. You know, ironically, when the Vince McMahon allegations came out, um, you know, last summer. So that'll be interesting to see how we're still looking at kind of like them compared to like kind of like a cold period. Um, last year, it'll be interesting to see, um, when we hit the, the, um, the year over year ratings, um, you know, was, that's probably gonna be around like July or August or so right around SummerSlam time. I mean, he, he resigned on the 22nd of July. So that's when he also right. left, but there was about a month. There's like a month before, you know, right when the first wall street journal story hits and he, he comes out on SmackDown and that, that, that showed us a huge number. Um, and, and it had Roman Reigns versus Matt Riddle at the end of the show with Vince at the beginning of the show, Riddle and Reigns did a bigger quarter hour than Vince did. Right. Right. There's that famous Matt Riddle, where Roman Reigns uh, title defense on SmackDown. Um, yeah. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see year over year what that looks like. Okay. Any plugs? Sure. Um, done a lot of audio um, lately. Um, the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast uh, episode went up on Thursday. I had Case Lowe um, on the podcast. And we talked for almost two hours. And we talked on the kind of broad theme of where is wrestling going and what we did was kind of look at what we think is happening in wrestling right now and how is that going to influence wrestling in the future. We talked about like kind of what we saw in the early 2000s 
in wrestling and kind of how that has shaped the wrestling that we see today. Um, And we kind of looked at the trends that are existing in wrestling, uh, a weaker American independent scene. Um, What is AEW being on national television? What does that mean for wrestling in the future? What is WWE doing right now? Um, And how is that going to influence wrestling in the future? Uh, We got really into the kind of like a a deeper conversation about, um, where the wrestling industry is headed from a product standpoint, from an in-ring standpoint. Um, it's, I'm really proud of it. It really came out really well. I really recommend uh, people to listen to it. It's getting, getting great reviews. Um, I also appeared on the Warren Hayes show. Uh, we recorded yesterday, and I believe it is up now. I believe it, it was actually running head-to-head with WrestleNomics. Uh, I'm pulling a Lex Luger where I'm on both programs at the same time. Um, we did a Lex Luger. Was it? Well, Lex Luger was it on was the... Rick, Rick Rude. So Rick Rude Luger on... did the house show the night before. And right, and then he was on the Mall of America Nitro. Rick Rude was on both Raw and, Smack and, and Nitro same night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, anyway, so that we that was a... Uh, we did a really long look at uh, Double or Nothing. We went down the entire card. We also talked a lot about some of the challenges that AEW has had in building the card, which we kind of talked about briefly on the show. But if you want to hear more about that, you can check that out. That's on the Warren Hayes show. Um, Warren's a big supporter of WrestleNomics as well. Yeah, Shout him out. Sure. Might be listening to this. Yes. Okay. That's it. Gold, do you feel better now? I do. Sorry about that, guys. I was holding off. I was like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. You had like your. I, know, so I'm, I'm, I, I, I feel bad. I'm, I'm sitting here making this like long-winded point about uh, the the a, double or nothing uh, build, and, and Gallo, meanwhile, is just waiting for me to shut up so he can go to the bathroom. The listeners enjoy it. It's fine. Like I, I was sucking it up. The, I was like, the, I was the, the viewers were distressed. Uh, you were you were like staring at your monitor with your mouth slightly ajar, looking back and <laughs> forth from your laptop to the external monitor. It was um, it was it was gripping. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, next week, not on Sunday at 11, but Monday at 11, and we will talk about whatever happens, the fallout from Double or Nothing and things of that nature. Um, And uh, John Pollock and I will expect to be back again later this week for another talk with another guest. So see you then. Thanks for listening.